Good afternoon and welcome to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. This show is being recorded live and will be available soon after it ends as a podcast, which can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Rumble. We invite anyone listening to this podcast to join us live on Zoom or by phone and share your thoughts on the issues that we discuss. We also invite listeners to send questions, comments, and other feedback about the show to ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good afternoon, everybody. Hey, everybody. Unfortunately, we're missing the J in EJS, so I wanted to start off by saying... Jody, we miss you, and we look forward to you being back with us next week. Yeah, you can't be EJS without the J, can you? Nope. Absolutely not. We'll so, have to soldier on, and hopefully we'll make it through without her. Yeah. Well, I was going to say there's no females, but I'll get in trouble. We'll probably be thrown off of YouTube for that. So one of us can just identify for the next 45 minutes or so, if we like. Um, so there's all the good COVID news out there. There's uh, Tucker telling people to call Child Protective Services if you see a kid with a mask, which is quite interesting. There's the new mask rules that have come out, which um, I'm somewhat of an expert in Jewish law and people make fun of Jewish law because it's convoluted and complicated. I got three charts about where it's recommended to wear a mask and where not, depending if you're vaccinated or not. So if you're in an outdoor restaurant with friends from multiple households, it's different than if you're an outdoor restaurant with friends from only your people from only your household, which is different if you're on a bike, which is different if whatever. And I think it's so convoluted as nobody knows. And to my understanding, New York City is still holding out. So frankly, I have absolutely no clue what the rules are. They're just a little bit more complicated than they used to be. So, and um, anything else exciting? Yes, the West Virginia paying people to get the shot. Now I'm waiting for the first lawsuit because where's like that equal protection thing? And can I get mine if I, well, what about all the people who got it done for free? Well, but the government has, I mean, they, they can encourage, try and encourage people to voluntarily do it by offering an enticement. What's the, what's the legal problem? That's really kind of interesting, isn't it? First of all, I'm not even going to go into the taxpayers authorize such an expense. I mean, the taxpayers don't get to authorize that. That's a legislative function. I mean, I for like the it. legislatures, but think- legislatures, I guarantee you didn't some governor or some health official comes up with it. I can't yeah. imagine that happening in a legislature. Uh, in in, uh, in deference to our uh, big tech overlords, um, I won't say what I really think about uh, 16 to 35 year olds getting the vaccine, but one would imagine that that would be uh, a low priority among um, our medical overlords, given that uh, very few 16 well, to 35 year olds is. have any problems with COVID. It depends on what the purpose is. If the purpose is to protect the public health, then I think you're right. If the purpose is to assert dominance and control, then I think you're wrong. Going after the most resistant populations is exactly what they, what you would expect them to do. And that's what they're doing. And by the way, if I were smart, I'd say, you know, it's like that old joke about professional women. 
I'd wait until they make it 200 or 300. So don't smile what about that. What say about professional women, Steve? What's that? What exactly do you do you think they say about professional women? Isn't it there's that old joke that I'll butcher that a guy goes to a woman and said, would you sleep with me for a million dollars? And she says, yes. And he says, would you do it for five? And she says, what do you think I am? And he says, well, we've already established that. Now we're only haggling over the price. So anyway, this is a family friendly show. Uh, we can get back to mass if you want. I have to mention this story because it's just so wonderful. Our great education system. Woke students, let's see if I can find out really quickly which college this is. They are complaining. Ah, University of California, Los Angeles. I believe that is UCLA. That's a pretty good school, right? They are complaining that hand soap dispensers are racist. Yeah, I saw that. Now you've got to have a degree to even figure out <laughs> what possible connection. You guys all see that story? I saw that story. I did not. Why don't you tell us about it, Steve? Because I, 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 I give up. I You're can't. a smart man. You can't see the obvious connection the, between hand soap dispensers and racism. Yeah. Now you got me on this one. They're alleging that the sensor has trouble seeing non-white hands. Well, they're saying that uh, you have to do it palms up and on black, black and brown people, the palms up are the, the whitest part of their anatomy. I see. See what I mean? So you need a very good education in a very good school. And speaking of the really good schools, we have to mention Tulane. I assume they're going to up their tuition now that they've hired, hired Hunter Biden to teach. Is he teaching, um, you know, crack 101 or what He's is he teaching, teaching a course news on fake news? Fake news 101. You're you're kidding, right? No, I am not kidding. Um, this is, you know, again, you, you really can't make this up. The poor Babylon Bee, I sell my stock in that every day because there's nothing they can come up with to beat what's really going on in the world because that is a Babylon Bee story. Now, isn't Tulane a decent school? I don't know whether any, any school's decent, decent school but they were fairly highly ranked back in the day. Are we using? <laughs> I mean, they're not like bottom of the barrel. And of course, I think we mentioned the Virginia that they're getting rid of math courses. Did we mention that last week? Accelerated math. Accelerated math, math courses. Yes. Yes. Until yes. 10th grade, as if you can, uh, until 11th grade, as if you can immediately go from Crappy, 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 crappy to calculus. That's uh, that's the new plan, though. Can't, can't have anybody achieving too much. That would be wrong. Tall poppy syndrome. By the way, with those soap dispensers, why don't they just show I ID? Oh, wait, sorry. Oh, no. Oh, you're horrible. <laughs> I think they're going to replace it with vaccine passports. You put your vaccine passport in, and then the soap comes out. And then, it, you know, I'm... if you're white, you only get a little bit of soap. But if you're black or brown, you get lots and lots of soap so you can be really clean. You know, Rush always used to say, don't try this at home. It's not as easy as it looks. Yeah. But if he were still alive, he may change his mind. I don't know. Now, a couple of y'all posted this story about Nick Fuentes. And I have to admit that I don't even know much about him. So I don't know who wants to cover that. Talk about Nick. He, he's a, a guy who... Uh, sort of dissident right guy who's um, gotten into trouble for a number of statements over the years that he's made um, that are, you know, a little bit too nuts. But one of the things that he did in the last couple of years was sort of organize or semi-organize a group of uh, 
of young people to go around and harass Charlie Kirk uh, at um, various lectures that he gave and sort of ask him, you know, hard questions about conservatism. And he got into a lot of trouble them, uh, about that. He's been Wait, banned- Which side is he coming from? From the right. And, uh, you know, you can, you can look him up on the uh, Telegram or something if you want to see him. I, you know, I, it's not, I, I kind of like his approach to going out and challenging the self-appointed spokesman of, of the right for their, um, in Charlie Kirk's case, it was his open borders view and his, um, his views on gay marriage and such. Uh, which we don't have to get into, but the point is that, um, you know, he and his followers went out and challenged these uh, so-called conservatives about, you know, what have you conserved, which is a similar thing, except sort of direct action than, than Eric July was talking about in that rant uh, we all uh, saw today. Um, meanwhile, he's gotten banned from, you know, all the usual social media platforms, and uh, and he attended the rally on January 6th at the Capitol, along with a ton of other people. Um, but he did not, you know, go in to the Capitol grounds and, uh, you know, he didn't go into the Capitol. And, and you know, we sort of know this because uh, there was live streams at the time, him and some of his friends, and uh, they were kind of reporting on the, the crazy people kind of going into the Capitol. So we know he didn't do that. Um, but then uh, he went, he was gonna go to a, uh, a rally in favor of this big tech uh, accountability bill that was passed in Florida and they wouldn't let him on the airplane. So he tried to go to, he actually drove from O'Hare to Midway and tried to get on another airplane. They wouldn't let him. And, and uh, he, it was, you know, someone told him that he was on the no fly list. And other than being a kind of provocative uh, conservative um, who, you know, does go to demonstrations, um, but he's never been violent. Um, there's really nothing he's ever done that would make him a candidate for a uh, the no-fly list. It's really very scary because, I mean, you know, we may not agree with everything Nick Fuentes says, but I mean, we're fairly politically radical ourselves, and and uh, you know, if we got popular, we may be put on the no-fly list. Right, so the really scary thing is now: is he the least controversial person that we know of to be put on a no-fly list? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the interesting thing was um, the so the Nick Fuentes uh, thing. Um, happened. And then the interesting thing was Michelle Malkin was asked at one of her um, lectures, you know, one of her stops that's paid for by some Con Inc. organization, whether she would disavow Nick Fuentes for whatever it was he said, and I don't even remember what it was he said. And Michelle Malkin uh, flatly stated, I'm not in the disavow business. I'm responsible for what I say, and that's all I'm going to talk about. And she was immediately fired from this, you know, organization that was sending her on talks. And uh, uh, while she wasn't deplatformed de from all of the usual suspects, she's been uh, um, shadow banned and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, Michelle Malkin read herself out of the respectable conservative movement by saying that she's not in, she's not going to disavow anybody, including Nick. She Clinton. had some problems with anti-Semitism. Well, the problem is that all of these people have problems with anti-Semitism. And it's, you know, what can I say? Anti-Semitism. But again, I, I don't think anybody should be deplatformed for that. Yeah. Certainly not for secondhand anti-Semitism. I mean, and anti certainly not a no-fly list. But 
I mean, obviously the danger of people being put on no-fly lists because of talk. Yeah. It's beyond kicking us off of, uh, you know, Twitter and Rumble. Yeah. And I mean, obviously the Jewish community is, is very diverse intellectually, right? I mean, you know. Well, I wouldn't say very. Well, they, they lean heavily on one side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the bunch of communists, you know, David Horowitz, his book about growing up in New York. Um, but, you know, there's the Daniel Horowitzes who are, you know, heroes um, and sort of any, everywhere in between. So, yeah, there are a lot who, who Jews who lean left. And if you point that out, um, you get attacked by the ADL and deplatformed. So. I think she was um, not disavowing like neo-Nazis or something. I don't remember the details, but again, I don't really care. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, the people who get paid to care make the most amount of noise. I mean, the Anti-Defamation League has gone totally 180 degrees away from its original mission and now it's just another leftist organization. But again, this no-fly list. And so they don't send you a letter say, hi, Ed, you're now on the no-fly list. Oh, you, it's secret that you're on. There's no recourse. So just you show up at the airport and anybody could be there tomorrow. Yep. And they're, and, and they just say, I'm sorry, you can't fly. They don't say you're on, not on the no fly list. It, it just so happened that, that he, um, uh, you know, he tried two different airlines at Chicago O'Hare, and then he drove down to Midway and tried a third airline down there. And it, it was in the, uh, when the, he was check, trying to check in for the third airline that the uh, counter agent accidentally told him he was on the no fly list. She was not allowed to do that, but that's what, that's what actually happened. Adam, is this your understanding of the no fly list? Um, I'm not really familiar. I mean, I know what the no fly list is generally, but I don't know the rules for it. As you guys are talking about it, I'm just thinking about all of the people that talk about, you know, private property and we don't even know if it's a government no fly list or if it's, oh, it's a government no fly list. Absolutely. But, but it's, it, it may be a government no fly list, but is it being enforced by the government or is it being enforced by private companies? Is the government saying to these airlines, It'd be it'd be nice to keep these guys off the planes, or, or is the government? No, no, it's it's a rule. It's a it's a it, no. It's top down government. But how do we know? On. How do you know? I don't know how you. Well, know. there have been you know there have been lawsuits and leaks and whatnot. That's how we know. You know, there's like hundreds of thousands of people on the list, and my guess is they're going to put they're going to end up putting thousands and thousands of people who went to the January sixth uh, demonstration, even the ones like I said who didn't you know, go past the barriers uh, and into the Capitol on onto the list just as uh, punishment. And like I said, there's no legal recourse. You can't sue. Um, but this all goes back to the Patriot Act, right? You know, I don't know where the no-fly list comes. Uh, certainly the Patriot Act is uh, one of the abuses that if, keeps it alive. If there's, no, if there's no recourse, though, I mean, doesn't that go towards what I was saying a minute ago, that it may be a government list, but it's being enforced by private companies. No, that it's not true. They're, they they type, you know, essentially they have computers and your name is flagged when you put it into the uh, the list and, and then it... Um, There's no, so if that's the case, I mean, then why couldn't you do a, a civil rights action against the United States government? Well, I mean, I I, I guess you can, but I mean, even president, even Ted Kennedy was put on the no fly list for months and he couldn't get off of it. <laughs> you know how the bureaucracy is. Uh, I don't know. 
it's 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 not i mean it's the deep state right i mean how do you fight so when when do regular people get scared i don't know anybody regular on this podcast i mean we're all regular okay so when mike well, par- you- it, it par- i'm scared uh, you know i'm scared to death uh, that uh you know suppose this podcast gets really popular right <laughs> you know and uh, then we all get put on the no-fly list, and we're we're not allowed to go anywhere except driving in our cars. Or I think by private jet, you're allowed to fly by private jet if you're on the no-fly list. But none of us have that kind of money. You know, you get back to the Niedermeyer quote. You know, first they came for. Yeah. And it, again, I don't like being paranoid, but you're right. And who <laughs> monitors it? Who decides who's on that list? Does anybody even know? I, it's FBI, uh, CIA, NSA, all together. You know? Isn't that one of those things that was aimed at terrorists initially? And of course now it's... It... Well, domestic terrorism is the biggest threat. Yeah, no, it was, an, it was yeah, it was aimed at, uh, you know, trying to prevent, you know, Muhammad Atta in the future, whatever, the next Muhammad Atta from getting on a plane. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, Nick Fuentes is... Uh, Far from Muhammad Atta, he, you know. Well, look, I mean, we know there's nothing stopping them from, look, I mean, we can sign a petition and send it into our lawmakers about a given issue and they know our name and they know what side of things we're on. Yeah, but then we're all anti-Semites, right? Because Nick Fuentes allegedly once said something that was anti-Semitic, although he has since, uh, you know, recant is not the right word, yeah. but, but basically apologized for, yeah. for saying it. It's just sort of like a new McCarthyism. Yeah, it is. It's Very amazing. much. Did McCarthy stop people from flying? No. Well, the difference, though, is McCarthy really was locating communists. They are not Listen, locating dangerous people. There, there were a lot of people blacklisted from Hollywood. Yeah, they talk of, sort of similar. innocent people, right? Yeah, my understanding is like Ed's. Who was enforcing? It. He it's was like, pretty right. He was pretty correct, actually. Yeah, the thing that got uh, McCarthy um, in trouble was he said, you know, he had a list of, you know, 200 communists in the army or something like this, or 205 or some really three significant digit number. I forget what it was, but he didn't have that list and he couldn't produce it. And that kind of ruined his reputation. Um, But, and and so that was wrong. That was a mistake or a lie or something. And... uh, um, that 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 did him in, but his basic idea that the army and the you know national security state were riddled with communists is actually true. Right in the entire administration, yeah, yeah, um, less so in Truman's administration, and much less so uh, when Eisenhower got in. But yeah, yeah, we're in a bizarre world where it's the patriots will now be uh, blacklisted. Why well, we're almost defined now, if you're a patriot, as a domestic terrorist. We're very very close to that, aren't we? I mean, if you read that long article, which I don't want to read on the air from American Thinker about that new executive order, I don't know how many of you read it, but it basically gets down to anybody who ever helped anybody in dot, 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 and the dot, dot, dot can be pretty broad. So I think, yeah, it is a bit of McCarthyism, but the ramifications aren't just for a senator, they're for the rest of us. So again, when do we get scared? And everybody says, why didn't the Jews leave? Well, a lot of we don't talk about it, but when do you get scared? Well, I don't like the 
comparisons that were pre-Nazi Germany, but on the other hand, they didn't either. Well, I think you do have to push back now because it is incremental. And, you know, that's the whole point of this discussion in a way we're, we're harkening back to the Patriot Act. And, you know, we may object to that on, uh, you know, on, on, a, on principled grounds anyway, but then they start taking more power and more power and targeting more of us and more of us. And that's the problem. You, you have to stand up to it now. Yeah, and how do you stand up to it? By calling your representative, quote unquote. Yeah, the funny thing is about, um, you know, old uh, centrist Joe is he is attacking liberty on so many fronts simultaneously that it's almost it's almost impossible to keep track of all of the things he's doing um, that is attacking our fundamental freedoms because it's so much of them. I mean, it's it's Obama never that's acted a, this way. That's Obama integral was, to it, though, Ed. No, oh, I'm yeah, sorry no, to interrupt, it's, but that's it's a strategy. I mean, it's not his strategy because he doesn't have a brain, but somebody's strategy, whoever's behind him, you know, uh, it's, uh, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, you know, the, the no fly lists and the, um, you know, rounding up all the people who were uh, trespassing and sticking some of them in jail for months at a time. Um, the, uh, we're only going to give out uh, farm aid to black farmers. Um, uh, Stephen Miller, a uh, former Trump uh, White House, uh, filed a, a suit, uh, civil rights lawsuit today on behalf of white farmers who are not getting any of the farm aid that he's doing, the Antifa riots that aren't being prosecuted, uh, you know, the, the prosecution of, of anyone like the Missouri couple or the Kenosha kid who um, to try to defend themselves, um, the, you know, prosecute them to the fullest extent of law while the criminals are let go. The, the ramping up of this anarcho tyranny throughout the United States with full cooperation of the federal government. Um, the various executive orders, the border crisis uh, where he's shipping in, you know, what's going to end up being millions of people who are not particularly uh, going to be able to find uh, jobs, uh, the shutting down of businesses, the idiot COVID mat. He was on a Zoom call with world leaders the other day and he was wearing two masks for a Zoom call. I mean, this is just, ins I mean, this, this, why isn't he a laughingstock? I mean, can you imagine Johnny Carson? You know, we don't even have, we don't even have comedians anymore. The destruction of comedy, the cancel culture. I mean, it's all just blowing up. And it's like, where, where do you start? What, where do you, and then something tomorrow happens that well, is worse. You left out the big one. He's going to take away our cheeseburgers. Yeah, take away our meat. I heard that wasn't true. I heard that that wasn't true. Let me throw something out, though. I, and I, I threw this out to you guys in, in, in private commentary. I'll throw it out to our listeners. I, I think, you know, people want to know where the Sons of Liberty today, you know, when, when are we going to revolt? And, you know, I think that one of the one of the things that's that stops us, one of the opiates that slows us down is judicial supremacy and judicial review. You know, Steve, you mentioned a, little, a few minutes ago, you know, where are the lawsuits? And I said, well, you know, we can bring, you know, why can't we bring a civil rights lawsuit against the US government? But more fundamentally, I think that there's too much reliance on the courts at this point. We, we've all surrendered to let's get a court order. And, you know, the, the Boston Tea Party, they, they, didn't, they didn't look for court order. The Sons of Liberty organized and they they revolted. And and it wasn't just the Boston Tea Party. It was, 
know, the whole period from 1763 to 1775, you know, the, the colonists, you know, progressively, and I, I hate using that word, but, you know, there was just this progression towards independence and towards taking matters into your own hands. And I don't mean that in a necessarily a vigilante style, but maybe it is. I mean, you know, when you talk, when you talk about needing to, you know, what do we do? I mean, this is just, it, it's over the line. I mean, it's, and it's not just over the line. The line is not even a line anymore. It's, it's a dot, you know, we're so far over the line, the line's a dot. And, and it's time that people have to start looking at civil disobedience and just saying absolutely no to these unconstitutional orders. And, and what we really need is, is a leader who's going to not just oppose the orders, but who's going to start organizing us. And we don't have anybody that's willing to say enough is enough. I mean, DeSantis is trying to, but it's always within the system. It's always, you know, with a nod towards this is just a mere difference of opinion. And in Florida, we're going to do things our way. I mean, where is anybody saying, hell no. And, and, I, and I go back to, you know, the, the point that I made initially, I think it goes back to judicial review and judicial supremacy. Everybody's waiting for the Supreme Court to say, oh, these, these orders, these, these uh, COVID orders are unconstitutional. It's time to open the churches. It's, it's time to open your businesses. 14 months and we can't open up? 14 well, you ask, okay, you're asking who's going to lead us. There's that Polish dude in Calgary, the priest. Oh, dude in Calgary. The priest, the pastor, you haven't seen his YouTube? Oh, no. Cool. Uh, the one who threw the cops out? He threw yeah. the cops out twice, yeah. calling them literally Gestapo, oh, Nazi, yeah, communist, fascist. I mean, that's a fascinating thing, and that's in Canada. Is that what we have to do, and would it work? And to me, January 6th, the message was, don't you even think about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, as far as the mass mandates are concerned, they're not, they're certainly not enforced around here. I've never heard of anything enforced, enforced uh, here, except if you walk into a store, like I walked into a pharmacy the other day and uh, to get a prescription, of course, I forgot a mask because who, who thinks about these things? And the guy at the counter says, you know, do you have a mask? And I said, no, nah, I don't. And he said, okay, here, wear this and gave me one. And so I put it on, you know, but that was not, I didn't like be a jerk with them. But as far as the legal system goes, it's done. Uh, the FBI just raided uh, Rudy Giuliani's house and office. Now he's the president's lawyer, right? He's- Yeah, I didn't lawyer. read the story. I saw the headline. What he's is a lawyer for Trump and they've raided his office and home looking for evidence in the Ukraine. I don't even know what it is, but the point is they've breached lawyer client confidentiality, which they did with Trump's other lawyer, that, you know, crazy person. Um, I mean, who, who's going to take a case defending people like us, like Nick Fuentes? What lawyer is going to take that case? Well, but they make it very clear that no lawyer will because they boycott the big firms and stuff. But Ed, is that your understanding of what happened with, with Rudy? Did you follow that today? Uh, that is my understanding. And yes, I, I am following it, although I don't really have anything more to add than what Ed just mentioned. So the obvious question is, and maybe it's a dumb question, where is the ABA? And the ABA won't help you either because you're on the wrong side of the street. Is that the way it is? Where's the ABA? Where's the ACLU? And even, I mean, look at the organizations on our side. Where is the Institute for Justice? The Institute for Justice is a civil liberties organization. And they're on the right. It's Where very are they? Narrow. I haven't heard them say anything, huh? 
I, uh, the Institute for Justice is very, very narrowly focused. And um, people are waiting for, uh, waiting for the courts to strike something down, waiting for the courts to issue an order. Uh, there's no, where, there, I don't see any organization for, for opposing what's going on. Yeah. I see yeah, people I talking about lawsuits. Uh, I see people distrustful of the courts, but I don't see people doing anything about it. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's just not characteristic of the right to engage in civil disobedience. I mean, certainly we saw the Tea Party movement was about as close as we came in a sense to a real widespread movement on, on the right. Well, I'll tell you that if we don't engage in civil disobedience, we're going to lose because we're going to. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm, I'm just trying. I'm, I'm making some observations or just just pointing out some realities of. of well, and I'm and I'm saying that I think that the reason why people on our side are so reluctant to engage in civil disobedience is precisely because they've drunk the Kool Aid. They've they've swallowed the opiate that we need a court order before we can do anything. We have to respect the rule of law. And well, as a lawyer, I respect the rule of law as much as anybody. I'm not looking to overturn the rule of law, but at the same time, you know, we're talking, you know, you look at this no fly list that we talked about earlier. It is from what we're talking about here, it is so inconsistent with the rule of law that where is somebody to say, is there even a rule of law left? You know, what are we doing? Yeah, the, the no-fly list is is not due process, right? There's no due process along with the no-fly list. And you should be able to challenge it on that basis alone. And it should have been thrown out, you know, the nanosecond it was implemented back in after 9-11. Uh, but it hasn't been. And why is that? Because there's a substantial government. Well, I mean, as a lawyer, I'm sitting here thinking, Ed, and I'm wondering, who would you challenge? Would you sue the U.S. government? Would you sue the airline? I'm not sure. I guess you'd sue everybody, but yeah, sue everybody. Um, I think more. I don't know. I don't know why that lawsuit hasn't been brought. I don't know. So what's the most opportune area for civil disobedience in a way right now? I would argue it's probably the masks, the mask uh, mandate for kids in schools in these public schools that parents just say to hell with this. We're not doing this next year. There's no evidence that this is sci scientific and you know, kids don't spread it. They don't get it. If you're a teacher or somebody works in the school, go get your vac vaccina vaccination, go get the vaccine, you come back to school next year. We're not making these kids wear, wear masks again. The parents should rise up, have the bonfire that I've always talked about, throw all the masks in there and, and you know, light it up. Or that, just I mean, start a, an online homeschooling system. The mask thing is the most irrational thing that has been done. I mean, va the vaccine, there is at least science that it, it works. It might be risky, but it does seem to work, but the masks don't work at all unless you're wearing an N95, which no one wears. Go to the grocery store like three people. Here you say that. What's, but, well, the N95 does work, but the, but the other ones don't work at all. So, I mean, it, you know, that that's certainly a point at which an attack could be made. Um, and but by the know. time anything gets through the courts, it's over anyway. Yeah. You're talking about years until you win a case. And, you know, to segue just to drop, there's a lot of, quote, excitement 
about the Supreme Court has agreed to hear another gun rights case. And we're all supposed to like genuflect and be so excited and throw wild parties. Um, frankly, I don't want the Supreme Court anywhere near it because I don't see them going in the right direction on it. And right. I have a feeling, you know, my dad was a judge. He used to always say, he said, never, ever, ever go in front of a judge. He said, because they can take away more than you ever thought was on the table. You go in there asking for 10, the other guy wants to give you five and the judge gives you one. And so the Supreme Court ruling again on guns. And what do we do if the Supreme Court says, no, there is no right to carry a gun outside your house? What do we do? And that's, the, that's kind of the corollary to what Ed is saying. With judicial supremacy, then where do you go? Yeah. Right. Well, and, and not just judicial supremacy. I think, I just think that there's this subconscious or unconscious. I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not sure the right term, but this sort of unspoken belief on our side that, that we have to wait for the courts. I mean, the left has sort of won that battle, right? I mean, the left says everything needs to be submitted to the courts. And oh, by the way, we're going to stack the courts to, to get rulings our way. And our side just responds by saying, well, we need to get better judges. And, and our side never says, well, wait a minute. Courts shouldn't be ruling on this in the first place. I mean, Clarence Thomas sometimes says it. Mark Levin sometimes says it. There are some people that say it, but, you know, uh, Daniel Horowitz, who you like to cite a lot, Steve, he says it. But very few people here, very few people on our side question the underlying premise that th these are court decisions in the first place. Yeah, Daniel Horowitz's book on judicial supremacy, is that what it's called? What's the title of it? Uh, I do remember reading it. It's an excellent explication of all of these issues from a historical and, and legal perspective. It's a, it's a great, um, wish I remember the name, but it's, it's a great book. He, he's really got it. Um, he's really got the, the answer. And I think Mark Levin has certain, um, he has uh, the Liberty Amendments, his book um, talks about, you know, how we could potentially structurally change uh, the constitution to fix some of this uh, judicial supremacy. Um, but other than those two people, I don't think anybody in the, in the, in the whole right is, it has talked about the flaws of judicial supremacy at all. Um, I don't know. I certainly don't know of anyone other than those two. That's my take as well, Ed. And I forget who wrote the article sometime in the last week, but the gist of the article was, at best, we have a few, pe a few people who make noise. Nobody does anything. I mean, I don't want to be a total heretic, but what has Mark Levin ever done? Well, I think his landmark legal foundation did brought, brought a lot of cases involving school choice and you know, he's, he uses his platform on his radio program to to push things that not a lot of other people push. Right. And I'm asking, what does his being on the radio accomplish? He talks to the choir, he preaches to the choir, screams at everybody else. Does he actually do anything? Well, sometimes the choir needs preaching, too. Um, no, but then that's why this, somebody wrote this article. And then what? And, you know, like you just said a few minutes ago, Ed, they're shooting a thousand things at us and we're still yelling at the choir. So yeah, every few months, Ted Cruz jumps up and yells, or Mike Lee jumps up and yells, or um, Rand Paul jumps up and yells, but nobody's doing anything. You know, Convention of States, in theory, was an interesting idea. We had 10 reasons why it's absolutely asinine. It will never work in 100 million years. 
let's find something else. Can you imagine a constitutional convention where, let's see, who would Texas send? I guess one of the Bush friends or one of the Karl Rove friends, okay? And who would Wyoming send at best? Lynn Cheney? I mean, come on, who are we getting Rock even up. from the best states? Forget about it, that we would, we would leave there with so much less. So the point is he wrote a book, it was an interesting idea, but what do these people actually do? I've listened to them for many, many years, but I don't think they accomplished anything. And I think that's why somebody wrote that article. And by yeah, the way- That's Ed, sort of why, I'm, why I mentioned you know, earlier in the show, I mean, you got kicked off for a little while, Steve, so I don't know where you, what you heard and what you didn't, but you know, where are the Sons of Liberty? And, and, and you know, this whole topic, I introduced this topic talking about uh, judicial supremacy and, and judicial review. You know, our side seems to think that the solution lies in, in a court decision. And that we need to we need to get a, a Supreme Court order saying that you know the lockdowns are unconstitutional, that churches need to be open, that businesses need to be open, the mask mandates violate the Constitution. I mean that, that's what our side seems to be thinking. And and where is anybody on our side to organize in a Sons of Liberty fashion that's sort of dare I say extra constitutional? That's not necessarily in line with the rule of law, but that recognizes that the rule of law has been turned on its head. I mean, Daniel Horowitz also talks about how, uh, you know, all these governors in the in the state legend in the states are acting, you know, they're they're usurping power, and then the legislatures only meet short periods of, during the year, and they can't even get into session to try and rein them in, and 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 they're they're sitting there, not really genuflecting, but just you know debating whether they even have the power to to convene to try and rein in an unconstitutional governor. And, and our side needs to be able to say, well, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. The, you know, we can't let the rule of law be used as a hammer to stop us from stopping unconstitutional actions in the first place. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the woman who was the representative in the New Hampshire assembly uh, was on the show a few weeks ago and she introduced a uh, resolution to um, impeach Sununu for all of his bizarre things and she couldn't even get a, a co-sponsor but then you look at okay well what about michigan has a republican uh, senate and a republican uh, house and gretchen whitmer is one of the most incompetent useless most worthless human beings ever to sit in power and why hasn't she been um you impeached. know impeached i mean even how hard is it to impeach someone Right. Even if they can't convict her, make her defend those actions, make yeah. her go and explain why it's OK, why she should remain in power. Right. And, uh, you know, why hasn't the the criminal uh, secretary of state of Georgia been impeached? I mean, you know, there's all sorts of uh, there's all sorts of things that come back to the fact that the Republican Party is useless. That is that they're they're conservative only in the sense that they conserve whatever the status quo is. And so the status quo today is the new baseline for what they're going to conserve until the Democrats push something crazy through. Then they're going to defend that like Obamacare. That that becomes the status quo that they're going to, um, you know, conserve. Um, and, I, I, you know, and they keep, you know, electing leadership like Mitch McConnell and, and uh, Kevin McCarthy, who are just the worst human beings. I mean, they're just awful, awful people. Yes, because yeah. um, Mitch McConnell knows how to use power when it's exactly. against his own caucus. 
the power that he will never use against the other side. And he will crush any kind of opposition within the Senate, just as McCarthy, et cetera, will crush any opposition in the House. So like we've said it before, they're not on our team, but nobody's on our team. Yeah, I mean, they control the, you know, National Senatorial Campaign Committee and the, con and the Congressional Campaign Committee money. Um, and so if you like someone uh, in, in Congress, and there are a few people to like, and you want to support them, don't ever give money to the Republican Party or any Republican Party affiliated group. Find a way to give money direct, not like win red. Like win red is the, uh, is the thing that uh, are supposedly, you know, if you wanted to support Ted Cruz or, or you know, Laurie Boebert or somebody like that, you go, you know, win red slash Laurie Boebert. Well, that money goes to the Republican Party, and I'm sure they take a huge cut before they give a check to Laurie Boebert. I'd rather go up to Laurie Boebert and say, here, here's 100 bucks, Neandra Benjamin, than to give any money to the uh, Republican Party or anything that has any association with the Republican Party, because they're just a bunch of, you know, idiots and criminals and traitors. Well, a lot of people, a lot of pundits have been saying for years now, don't give to the party, give directly to candidates. And I think to a certain extent that has hurt the parties a little bit. But look, they couldn't get rid of Liz Cheney. And the point is, when the powers that be who are running the party want to put their foot down from Paul Ryan, look at John Boehner with his book and stuff. When they want to fight, they know how to fight. So it's unbelievably difficult for Congress people to rebel against their so-called leaders. Well, we do have some young guns that are coming up. I mean, yeah, Marjorie I mean, Taylor Greene. Marjorie Greene, you know, Ed mentioned Laurie, Laurie Boebert. Uh, Matt Gates is a favorite of mine. Jim Jordan has a little bit more experience, but he's still a young guy. Um, there are a few. I mean, we're certainly not a majority by any stretch, but, you know, every long journey starts with a first step. And, you know, we've got we've got a few that are that are worth looking at and, Hopefully they'll keep rising. That's all I can say about right, it. Right, but uh, they'll never they'll never be a majority of Congress. There will never be a real freedom caucus that will be a majority. Just like New Hampshire, they were so excited in November. They overwhelmingly um, the Republicans control everything in New Hampshire, and they can't make very much happen at all. He's threatening to veto the budget, which has some things in it that restrict his power. I know they're bragging about supposedly they lowered some taxes and did some other things. But on the issue of the emergency and the masks and all that stuff, they just don't have enough people. Maybe they have 30 or 40 out of 200 plus. And I don't see that ever changing because the people in power are the people in power. Well, yeah, uh, the know, one way it can change is, boy, I, I, I hesitate to say it because it's it's so not me to, to be talking about a Sons of Liberty type thing, but you know, people respect power. You know, Black Lives Matter and Antifa are, are burning cities down right now. And power works. People listen and people are afraid of power. And people on our side need to need to learn that message. And, I, you know, I mean, if, if it takes a show of force, well, maybe it's going to take a show of force because but we're being dealt with force every single day. I mean, there's no fly list is a show of force. You know, holding people in in jail without bond as, as the, the capital rioters are being held right now and have been held for, for three months now. Uh, that's a show of force, especially in light of 
the jailbreak that's been going on throughout the country for, for rioters and, and people and violent criminals. And somebody on our side needs to be willing to speak up and organize. I mean, Kamala Harris organized bail for these criminals last summer. Where is the counterpart on our side? Where is Matt Gates? Where is Lori Boebert? Where is Marjorie Taylor Greene? Where's Jim Jordan, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Thomas Massey? I mean, there are people on our side. We do have good people on our side. They need to, they need to start figuring out talk is not enough. We're going to need to do more than talk. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, the, the cancel culture and big tech uh, monopoly has to be, has to be broken both in the we'll develop new capabilities like uh, parlor or telegram or signal or something. Your like parlor that. supposedly caved. Parlor did cave on certain things. Yeah. To get onto the app store. Um, hate speech, right. Of which is, you know, arbitrary. Um, but then we have to have uh, something like GoFundMe so we can raise money for the defense of people. We can't um, have GoFundMe. They shut conservatives out of all. That's of right. So there was a there was a Christian one that I think is is doing some good work. His name escapes me. Um, and then, but the but the but the end all be all is it comes back to the banks and the banks controlling everything. So I'm not, you know, I'm not entirely sure it's possible unless we either we go, we use foreign banks, which is what Subscribestar did. Subscribestar settles in a, in a Russian bank. Um, now that will get, that could get cut off tomorrow through SWIFT if the US government really cared. Um, you know, they don't care. I give $5 to Lauren Southern every month, right? I mean, that that's not their, that's not their issue, but they could uh, deplatform Subscribestar uh, tomorrow if they if they really wanted to um i i don't know what you, we, we have the whole thing it's the money and then the platforms to get messages out and to raise money and then you need some sort of leader to coalesce around and and you know what's weird is how how flawed trump was as a human being i mean let, we do an hour and a half on all of trump's laws right um but how he coalesced uh this huge movement based on just a few, a few things like the media is dishonest and the we've been in too many useless wars and uh, we've been hurt by uh, unfair trade practices and we need to, uh, you know, shut the border. And America first. Yeah, and America first as a as a concept. Right. Um, I mean, geez, that's not hard. But you know, you you think despite all the cheating, you know, did he talk about any of those in his second campaign? No, he didn't talk about trade. I, I listened to everything he said. He never talked about trade, and he never talked about um, he never talked about uh, you know restricting immigration. And he hardly ever talked about the wall or immigration at all in the campaign or in his. Um, his uh, debates, um, you know, he said America first, but he didn't say anything about what that meant. He really kind of failed in his second campaign to really articulate the, um, the principles that, 
that got him elected in the first place. And I, I think that's, um, uh, you know, again, he takes bad advice from bad people, but I think that's, that's someone's going to have to pick up the mantle of Trump and, and be serious about it, not fake Trump. You know, you got to pick it up. You don't tweet, we're watching big tech, you do something about it. Um, if there's anyone in the world who speaks softly and carries a big stick, it's Vladimir Putin. And I hate to say this, but we need a politician more like him. We want to speak softly and carry a big stick. And uh, uh, didn't Trump get in trouble for saying he admired some things about Putin? I guess who got in trouble? Going to get the platform just for that? Yeah, no. I mean, the the point is that if if DeSantis is the guy, say, or Cruz or anybody, they've got to decide: am I America first or am I not? You know, really decide. Okay, so I'm going to argue, among other arguments, there is no governor or senator who does not want to be president of the United States. And every decision they make, they weigh that in. That's why Sununu plays his games in New Hampshire. And DeSantis will go far, but he'll only go so far because he wants to be president. And that's never going to change. I I don't think DeSantis has the traits that are necessary to build that movement. He's I, very I, smart, though. He's very. I get that, but there, there's always there, there's a certain quality that a certain leader needs to really build a movement. I think Ron Paul even had it to a certain extent. You know, he had a little army around him. But I still think Trump could play this role. I mean, he doesn't have to run again, but he could certainly build that movement. Um, I don't you know, think the, so. I, I think Trump needs to just go away. Well, maybe you. Right. I don't know. But I think the, the problem on the right is, yeah, there's a lack of leadership, but we're just not oriented the same way as the left. The left, is, it's an industry. Government is an industry. They already have the infrastructure in place and the boots on the ground ready to go. We're to the point where there's you know, one incident in the city and BLM and Antifa are on the ground there already. We're not we're not like that. And I would say they also have an incentive, which is they get stuff from government. We're not looking for stuff from government. They know if they win, they're going to get it. We're just looking to preserve our freedom. Um, you know, and you have a lot of people on the right just go about their law abiding people. They're going about their lives every day. And it's just very hard for us to, to have that kind of movement on the ground. I mean, I was I was definitely a part of one for a while. Uh, when I was with Americans for Prosperity, we, we were successful in doing that for, for some time. But, you know, again, we're talking more about civil disobedience now, the different thing, than just having protests and, and things like that on Capitol Hill. So, uh, you know, it is a challenge. I think we all agree it's a challenge, but it's something that needs to be done. Guys, is our, is our argument right now any different at all from Frisco and Dagny's argument? Yeah, he said it's too late. And she said, no, let's hang on. And I I feel like those are it's exactly what we're talking about here. And obviously, he's the hero and he's correct in that book. There's no way to know in real life. But I don't see any way in the world that he's not right, because they deep deep platformed Trump. They can deep platform anybody they want. They can just they can take away your right to use a credit card for any purchase they don't want. There's really no power they don't have. Well, look, and, I mean, one of the other stories um, from the past week was how Facebook um, removed a group of, of people who um, were posting about reactions to the to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. 
that's right to your point. I mean, we talk about mobilizing and organizing, but the minute we start to do that on social media or the internet, they can, they can shut it down. And you remember the anarcho tyranny that we exist under, right? Um, it's tyranny for the people on the right and, and no law at all for people on the left. So we talk about like marching down the streets in an unsanctioned demonstration, holding signs saying no masks or not wearing masks or doing something like that. We'll all be arrested and thrown in jail. Whereas if you're Black Lives Matter, you can not only march down the street, but you can burn all the buildings as you go and you don't get jail at all. So, I mean, the, you know, it, everything is against us. I hate to say that, but it's, I don't know what to do unless you have some sort of powerful, charismatic leader who can set the um, agenda. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I've made two points along those lines. One is what you just said, Ed, that we need to, we need a charismatic leader that's willing to, to maybe step outside what, what the, the box is for, you know, uh, rule of law and due process. We need to be able to say, you know, this is not rule of law and we're not going to take this anymore. And relatedly, I've also mentioned that our side is, is just, it's almost like we're waiting for a court decision to save us and the courts are not going to save us. Okay. I, they're not inclined to do it anyway, but even if they were, as Steve mentioned a few minutes ago, it, two or three years from now down the line, when the Supreme Court finally hears something, it, the, the issue is going to be over. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not a practical way to, to deal with the problem that we're facing right now. Anybody remember a lady named Palin? Yeah. That became a verb. I don't know if Borked is better than Palinized. I kind of like Palinized. You think about it. Any normal human being thinking about leading such a movement knows that they're going to be through his trash. They're going to be through his kindergarten records. They got Tucker's high school yearbooks. They will not let you go. And then their wives, their husbands. Tucker is a great example. Tucker is not being silenced. Lori Bopert is not being silenced. Marjorie Taylor Greene is not being silenced. Matt Gates, who they're coming after with they, guns blazing, is not being silenced. Some, some people are doing it. I mean, hopefully we're at the beginning of something positive. But again, they can't accomplish much because when they really, really want to put the pedal down, or the hammer down, they're going to. And what I'm saying is there are probably 50,000 people in this country who could step up and lead this country out of 331 million. But a very high percentage of them are not gonna risk their entire lives to have their lives torn to shreds and their spouses oh, aren't gonna let them either. Let me say this, Steve, I, you know, not, nobody knew who Rosa Parks was before she stood up and said, I'm not going to the back of the bus. And we don't know who that person's going to be. We don't know what that event is going to be. Maybe it's going to be multiple events. I don't know. But somebody somewhere is going to stand up and, and be that person. Yes, and Rosa Parks was reincarnated, if you will, as Ashley Babbitt. Maybe. It's, I mean, it's not going to be her, obviously, because she's dead and nothing is happening. But that's her. what I'm saying, because she stood up and she went and she said, I'm going to do something out of the box. And I'm going to do something that's semi-illegal and look what happened to her. I don't think so. I mean, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. We don't know what was going on in Ashley Babbitt's head. She was just in the middle. She was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right? Yes, I mean, but the message is, message is wrong place, wrong time. We're going to kill you. And there's nothing, but nothing. Rosa Parks was not wrong place, wrong time. Rosa Parks was 
I'm on a bus and I'm not doing anything and you guys are going to have to kill me to do it. And she, she ultimately won. We all know who Rosa Parks was. And I don't know who that person is going to be. Maybe it's going to be you, Steve. Maybe it's going to be one of the Eds here. You know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Jody in her absence today is doing something that's going to make her the hero. I don't know who it's going to be, but. No, I'm I'm going to play pessimist. I'm going to play pessimist. And in the good old days, they didn't realize how badly their lives could be destroyed, like they can be destroyed today. And that's why no family member will let anybody stick their neck out too far. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think you need to be, uh, you know, independently wealthy. You need to be a bit of a narcissist, not as much as Trump, but, you know, a bit of a narcissist in the sense that you don't care what other people think. And you have to um, be willing to uh, take the slings and arrows and and give back as good as you get. That is no compromise with the media. None. Zero. They're all scumbags. No compromise. Okay, so how does uh, doesn't Tucker Carlson fit all those bills? Yes, Tucker would be a perfect example. And he's not, by the way, what did Rush Limbaugh say for many, many years? He goes, I love what I do because if you hate me, you listen to me and I make money. But if he were in politics for one second, he'd be destroyed. If Tucker went into politics, he'd be destroyed. So not going into politics. He's exposing things every day. And what has changed? And he's great. And what has changed? Well, you're asking for what, you know, have we already won yet? The answer is no, we haven't won yet. No, but- what I'm saying is talking and pundits don't do anything. We have a million um, media outlets that are good on the right. We got National Pulse. We got, um, what is that? The PP, I forget what it stands for. We got a whole bunch of, you got Bongino.com. You got plenty of people talking, but none of them are doing anything. And to get back a little bit to Mike's point, conservatives are conservative. We are law and order people. And most of the conservatives have very little libertarian leanings and they are never gonna go out of that box. And if they do, Bongino and Mark Levin and everybody else will slam them down to the ground. Because Mark Levin, listen, I don't wanna get into the whole Abe Lincoln thing because we're running out of time, but Mark Levin thinks Abe Lincoln is a hero because he only killed 600,000 people. Some of us don't believe that. And if there's ever any kind of rebellion, Mark Levin has said over and over again, that was decided by the Civil War and you guys all deserve to die. And those are the those are the conservatives. And they're Mark not going to also said that they're pushing us to the point where something's got to be done. Yes. And that something cannot include anything radical because Lincoln no, is God. I, I mean, I just don't agree with you on that. I've That's, listened to him. I don't listen to him anymore because he's an idiot. He but, wouldn't, um, wouldn't be saying that if he weren't laying the foundation for to do what? To do what? To Convention do of more states. than what you're suggesting. And do you know how many times that man has said, the only idea I can think of is Convention of States, and if not that, I have no clue what we can do? I, I could probably pull recordings of it. He says it a lot. I don't disagree and with Convention that. of States is a ridiculous pipe dream. They've been going at this, what, five years, 10 years? They have 16 states. They need 18 more. They got the 16 lowest hanging fruit in a billion years. They will never get 34 states. And you know what? They're still soliciting money, 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 money. Oh, yeah, the money thing. But Steve, you know, it's cultural change is like a phase change, right? I mean, you can go from one side to the other very, very quickly. And it it takes, you know, it, it takes some sort of trigger. And I think we don't know what that trigger is. 
And okay. but but that and doesn't mean that there's I agree no with you. Even if I agree with you, I don't think it will ever happen without the cost of many lives. Well, obviously, I don't want anybody to die, but but I don't you know, think cultural. But we got this. We got into this woke thing without a whole lot of death, right? I mean, you know, always a, in one direction. Uh, that's true, but it's a huge revolution that happened in in the last uh, five years. I mean, you, you know, things in two thousand fourteen or two thousand ten are are completely different. We had a normal country, uh, you know, relatively back then, uh, even under Obama, than we have now. So, I mean, this whole revolution, I mean, nobody needed to be killed to go this way and nobody's going to need to be killed to go the other way as long. It's a moral revolution. Right. And that's um, um, freedom is pretty. I'm going to kind of quote laser. Freedom is almost never won without a revolution and people lose their lives in it. Tyranny can win without that. And you see what they're doing. Like we're talking for the last hour. They tighten the circle around us in absolutely every single way. They control absolutely everything. And we're talking about the only possible solution is to go out of the box. And they've already shown us on January 6th, and now they showed us with no fly lists. I don't, there's no way to get out their control. There's been plenty of um, issues that could have been trigger points, and nothing happens. And we, yes, nothing yeah. happens. Although Hollywood has been almost destroyed. Hollywood is one of the four legs of the leftist stool. Hollywood, the universities, um, you know, the uh, press and uh, the deep state. And, and, and COVID has pretty much destroyed that. I mean, you can see it with the Oscars uh, the other night where uh, it was down 60% from the last year and then which was also down 40% for the year before. Nobody cares anymore except, you know, the people who get the screeners and who, who um, you know, maybe know somebody in the movie. Um, you know, I don't think when they start putting out this, the woke BS that uh, in, in movie form, uh, there was a, uh, there was a, um, uh, a series on Disney plus uh, Marvel series, uh, Winter Soldier. And uh, in like episode three, the um, main character who happened to be black uh, starts giving this lecture on Black Lives Matter and the leaked um, information because everybody knows exactly with streaming exactly what you watch and exactly when you watch it uh, they said there was a, an enormous drop-off of people watching that show at, at that exact moment as soon as he gave the woke speech people turned off um i like the fact and the media is collapsing too in the sense that nobody pays for media anymore so we got two of the stools we got the media and we got hollywood under extreme financial pressure. The universities are also under financial pressure yep. with the woke uh, garbage. Um, people are realizing that they can't send their kids to these schools to turn out mind numb robots. And so I think the, there's gonna be a collapse in university uh, enrollment um, fairly soon. They, they, they can't just keep raising and raising the prices and putting out dumber and dumber people with no job prospects. At some point, people are going to say, okay, I can't pay, you know, 70,000, Carnegie Mellon, which I, I went they're to. They're going to forgive all the student loans and they're going to wipe that problem out with one stroke of a pen. But, yeah, okay, so they wipe out the last student loans, but what are they going to do with the next student loan? The same right? exact thing. We've printed six trillion in the last couple of years. The same exact thing. Why not? I agree. Student loans are, don't go to students. They go to corrupt university administrators. Overpaid diversity people. They keep making uh, 
the community colleges free like they're doing here in New Jersey, uh, well, why wouldn't you know my kids or anybody else's kids take that option up for at least two years anyway? Yeah, and the community college aren't as bad woke wise as the uh, as the big universities anyway because they don't have uh, money to. Um, to do the wokeness. So three of the stools of the left are under attack. And I think maybe that's why they're fighting back as strongly as they are. Um, now the deep state is worse and stronger than ever before. And I don't hundred percent know to how to do that. That goes back to the, uh, the no fly list uh, thing. And, and, the Rudy, and the Rudy raid. Yeah, and the Rudy raid. Um, legs of the stool wobbling enough they are wobbling. They are. And it's not, there is a tipping point. And we're, and the, and the COVID, you know, the branch COVIDians are really pushing things with their stupidity. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not hopeful, but I, I recognize that these transitions can be rather more rapid than people expect. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, yeah, that's can, what I've been trying to say, Ed. I, I definitely can see it already in the near future, again, with everything that's happened in the last year and people at home and doing Zoom and all this stuff that, yeah, I mean, why should I spend $50,000 a year in tuition for my kid when I maybe can get them some online courses and they can get certified in something or who knows what, but save a lot of money and still allow them the opportunity to get a good uh, job and, you know, to support themselves. I mean, look, I just got a license for something and that, that I didn't need to go to school to get a higher education, six, and I have six years of higher education, I didn't need it for this. And there's potentially good money in it. So there's other avenues for people, but again, it's, it's something that you can look right over the horizon and see that people are gonna make a choice. I'm gonna do online education. I'm not gonna send my kids to an expensive university. And um, you know, the other part of it is I would be happy to see some of this, these college sports get a kick in the butt too. <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the um oh well women's sports are going to be destroyed other issue we can get into yeah i know women's sports are going to be destroyed and i i can't you know i mean I, I i have nothing against women athletes but uh anything that uh helps take down the universities is fine with me right well i think you know it, it's such a big business with these college sports and now they let these kids transfer without even sitting out there's like over a thousand players in the transfer transfer portal for basketball so there's no allegiance or loyalty to the school. And they're talking about paying these kids. It's like, I, I thought you were getting paid. You got a tuition worth tens of thousands of dollars a year and a chance to get a degree and make something of your life. But anyway. <laughs> oh, no, you, we have to be in favor of uh, paying NCAA athletes. Absolutely. Because that will destroy college sports. So, yeah, the whole, I mean, first of all, it's unfair, right? Because they are obviously making it ton of money off of these uh, kids um, without paying them a dime. And uh, secondly, um, can you imagine uh, the NCAA uh, sports having to pay their student athletes uh, at a market rate? I mean, uh, it would drain the schools of money. Oh, it would be beautiful. It would be beautiful. I would love it. So yeah, pay student athletes. Absolutely. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why the NFL and the NBA don't have minor league systems. I think the NBA has the 
was it the B League, the G League or B League or something like that? Well, the NCAA but, is the minor league system. Yeah, it's that, that's the problem. At least in baseball, you really have minor leagues and kids get drafted straight out of high school. And I, I don't understand why it doesn't happen with these other sports. Because yeah, they're I mean, getting it for free. That's why. Well, I want the kids paid in dollars rather than hookers and cocaine and cars, which is what they're paid in now. You know, well, you're so, old fashioned. We want them paid in Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin or Dogecoin, Dogecoin. That's what we want to pay. It is an interesting discussion. Again, we're talking about what if kids stop going to these universities and colleges and those sports programs get decimated by it because they start all going under. <laughs> there, there goes March Madness and everything, I suppose, right? We lived without March Madness last year. I lived without it this year. I didn't watch a single minute of it. Yeah, I, there's... I without it. There's a... Um, there's going to be a bloodbath in, a, in higher education and it's gonna hit the private schools first. That is the lower tier, not the IVs, but the lower tier private liberal arts colleges. That's what's gonna go first. A lot of them are on the brink and the COVID thing is going to take them down. The state schools are a little bit insulated because they rely mostly on taxpayer money, but they too rely on student uh, money. And I, you know, the states, you know, not every state is like California that pretends it's a country and can print as much money as it wants. The states do have limited budgets. You know, Virginia is, Virginia is controlled by the Democrats, but it's not controlled by Democrats who want to infinitely spend money. Um, there is a, a fairly large bipartisan consensus about not raising income taxes and being responsible with the state's budget. So how will that happen? You know, what will okay, that do? Coming from New York, these states know that they will always get bailed out. Well, but I think I think that co I think there's an intersection with COVID here though. I mean, universities are trying to pick up the mantle from government and impose mask mandates on their students, even though the students are among the least likely people to get COVID. Um, and I think that's going to put it. That's also going to put pressure on them. It's not just. I mean, it's going to put financial pressure on them. But I think people are going to stop going because they don't want to put masks on. They don't want to have to sit in a classroom with masks. And I think parents are going to say, "We're not paying for you to go and sit in a mask." Um, and they want a mask. I know we're a family-friendly show, but they're being taught to wear masks during sex. I'm not making that up. No, that's true. And, and this generation is the most compliant, the, the rule following generation I've ever heard of. You know, I, it, and that shows what can happen when you go to the 60s where everybody's about no rules, man, to now where like all the kids are like, oh, oh, I'm going to obey the rules, obey the rules. But that can't entirely happen. The, the, the urge to rebel is, you know, built into our genes. And I think, I think there's a... I'm hearing echoes of Huxley here. I don't think so. You don't think that so? That I think it's in our, it may be in our genes, but it's very easy to stamp it down. And we're doing it with the thumbs and we're doing it with, with drugs and we're doing it. You know, I didn't get to mention, you know, Biden is going to uh, propose banning menthol cigarettes. Now, I happen to be pro-legalizing drugs, but there's something weird about banning cigarettes while we're legalizing drugs. I mean, this is like weird. So can you, the next question is, we're going to go to the Supreme Court, can you have menthol marijuana? <laughs> uh, the other point to be made is how they 
want to defund the, the cops and get rid of cops, but at the same time, they want to get rid of our guns, so. No, and at the same time, they're paying for security. Oh, okay. The greatest is Maxine Waters asking for protection so that she could go to a rally to defund the protection that she's asking for. I mean, that's- oh, What's worse is, do you hear what happened to the Oscars? All these people go in there and talk about how they hate the cops and, and you know, uh, Black Lives Matter and all that. They built a wall around Union Station. Like, you know, a big, beautiful wall around it. And they had more armed policemen surrounding the building where the people are all attacking the police in their- Now at a certain point, and it's I know- It's tyranny. And that's- what not a conservative stance. But, and, and you know how I feel about the police, but the police need to say no. Well, that's been my line for a while. I mean, the police, I, I, you know, and I've been, I've been having some interesting conversations here in North Carolina with some of my conservative colleagues here, uh, you know, support for the police. And I'm in a conservative part of the state and support for, for the blue is, is very strong. Um, and, I, and I've said, you know, I do support the police, but they need to pick a side. They are, they're the ones enforcing this anarcho-tyranny that, that Ed Powell is talking about. They're the ones that are enforcing COVID restrictions. They're the ones that are enforcing this completely unequal treatment in law against Trump supporters on the one hand and BLM and Antifa on the other. And, you know, they're the ones being vilified. They're being attacked by the, by the BLM Antifa people and yet they're not saying a word against them. They're not standing up for themselves and they're not standing up for us, but they have no problem, you know, dragging a 70 year old grandmother out of a bank in, in Harris County, Texas, just because she wouldn't put on a mask to get her money out of that bank. And you know what? I do support the police, but they need to support me. They need to support the good people in this country. And right now they're being completely silent while good people are being killed on a daily basis, while while cities are being destroyed on a daily basis, you know, and and, and not even the, the the rank and file. I mean, the rank and file kind of do need to follow orders a little bit more. But where are the police chiefs? Where's the police benevolent association? Where are the police unions? Well, the chiefs up and say this this is not right, and and the the mayors of these cities, the governors of these states are are hurting the police. They need to speak up. Well, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I just wanted to point to one encouraging thing in, in the wake of the whole LeBron uh, tweeting, you know, after the, um, the one cop shot the, uh, the black girl who, who was wielding a knife about to stab another black girl to death. Um, there was a picture of the black girl to death. But uh, there was a police officer who did a video, I don't know if you saw it, pretty much mocking LeBron. Uh, it was that he was pretending he was on the phone with LeBron as the incident was happening. And it was, you know, we talk a little bit about Alinsky and ridicule and picking a target. Well, that officer did a great job with that particular video. And, uh, you know, I was encouraged by that at least. Yeah. There are some dissident, there are some dissident videos that, that are around that make, that become viral uh, either, you know, on YouTube or, or TikTok. Um, and I, I, you know, I think, in, in a lot of ways, the fact that TikTok is owned by the Chinese is better, is better for us um, because they're not going to, uh, they're not going to discriminate on the basis of politics. You know, um, uh, if, if, you, if you have a TikTok criticizing the Chinese or mentioning Tiananmen Square, they'll, 
they'll do it. But if you talk about how horrible the FBI is, they'll let it go. So, you know, maybe it's good for the Chinese own TikTok. Folks, we got to start wrapping up. So everybody bring up any subject that we didn't get to bring up that you need to bring up. Not really. I mean, just real quick, I had shared a story about um, the incident with uh, Iran. So um, I, it just dovetails with some of the discussions we've had in the last couple of weeks about Ukraine and Taiwan. Um, you know, Iran still remains a big, big problem. Um, but Why don't you briefly let people know what you're talking about? What's the Iran yeah, story, Mike? Apparently, there were some Iranian ships um, that were swarming around one of our warships. So we fired some warning missiles or, or fired some warning shots across their bow. Um, and that was the extent of it. But, you know, the, you know they're constantly going to try to, you know, instigate us. And with Biden in office, I'm just not sure how he's going to respond. Uh, you know, it, it seems with some of these other issues that have cropped up, like Ukraine, that they're almost angling for some conflict. And so that's what concerns me. Though so I do Iran story is John Kerry. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going to mention. No, I, 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 I'm not altogether totally familiar with what he did there. So maybe one of you will want to pick up on that. But I do, I do worry about Biden and you know, whether there's going to be some conflict that he draws us into. Although I do believe Iran probably should have been punched in the mouth a few times over the last number of decades, and they've gotten away with a lot of things. John Kerry being a traitor and not getting punished for it is not news. <laughs> I know, that, that's what I said to somebody. That's just <laughs> rewriting history. It's not 100% sure that they know that it happened, but it sure is easy to believe. Just so that people know what you're talking about, he's alleged to have leaked information betraying Israel. Classified. Giving that information. What? American classified information about Israeli actions. And he gave it to the Iranians at the expense of the Israelis and the United States. Right. With voting. Great way to uh, treat your friends. And they wonder why people don't trust America. Pretty sad. Ed M, what would you like to say? Well, we're going to let, why don't we let Ed Powell speak and then I'll, I'll throw <laughs> something at the end. Sure. Uh, why not? They um, uh, just came over my uh, watch. Uh, the, the three uh, gentlemen who uh, confronted and ended up uh, in the confrontation with Ahmed Arbery in, in Georgia. Um, if you look at the video, uh, they chased him down the street and uh, he grabbed uh, the shotgun from one of them and it went off and uh, he got killed. Um, misadventure at the, at the absolute maximum is misadventure, but it's almost certainly self-defense on the part of the, of the non-Arbery trio. Um, they have all been charged with federal hate crimes by the Biden Justice Department, um, just in case they beat the, um, the state uh, crimes that they've been charged with, none of which are legitimate. Um, so that's another example of anarcho-tyranny. I forget who it was who came up with the word anarcho-tyranny, but it, we, it's, it's something we need to use more and more of. Anarchy for uh, favored groups, they don't have any laws. Um, 
that uh, stop their behavior and tyranny for the rest of us. Well, there were two things that haven't come up on the show and I'll just briefly mention them. We don't need to debate them, but I'll, I'll throw them out so that, you know, maybe next week we can talk more about them. One is, and it's related to that last point you just made, Ed Powell, uh, the not just proliferation, even permeation, but the saturation of racism in every single thing that comes out of the mouths of the Biden administration people. Every single policy, every single thing they do, they try and tie to racism. And I don't think people on our side, I mean, we realize it because we object to it a little bit, but they are, they are trying and they're, in my view, succeeding at cementing the narrative that America is a racist country by, by throwing that, that accusation into everything they do. When they talk about the vaccine, they talk about how black and brown communities are getting more and it's more just because they're getting more. When they talk about climate change, they talk about how climate change allegedly affects black and brown communities more than white communities. Every single thing they do, they, they, they tie it to race and racism. They are the ultimate racists. We all know that, but they are cementing that into our culture and into our politics. Um, and we need to, to be aware of that. And we need to start pointing out that it's not just that they're using racist arguments, but they are in fact racists. Uh, that's the, the first thing I want to say. And then the second thing is uh, we haven't talked about it and I'm not even sure it's worth more than mentioning. Biden is going to address the nation tonight. I, I really don't give a darn what he has to say. I, I, the only thing I can think of is that he's coming up on his hundred days. And, you know, he said that he wanted a hundred days of mask wearing. I would like to hear him say that after a hundred days, you can take your masks off. I think we all know he's never going to say some anything like that. Um, but I think that what's interesting to me, what's most interesting to me about it is that his planned speech is, is moving the needle about as much as a planned professional sporting event. I mean, there's sports every night and I couldn't care less. Or the I am Oscars. a huge sports fan. <laughs> huh? Well, the Oscars too. Yeah. I mean, it's Biden outdraws the Oscars. And I'll be shocked. I miss, I'm missing everything. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we hear you. All right, I, I miss me. If Biden now draws the Oscars, he'll be shot. shocked, not shot, shocked. <laughs> I would be shocked as well. Um, I think it's, I think it's incredible. I mean, I, you know, just, just the other day, my son was, was bragging to one of his friends, you know, ask my dad about, you know, who, you know, some, you know, World Series anytime, you know, before, you know, really before the last 10 years. And I can tell you how many games and who, who was in it. And, um, you know, I, I don't care anymore. I don't care about the World Series. I don't care about the Super Bowl. I don't care about the NBA Finals. I mean, I get alerts on my phone and every now and then I'll, I'll click on a story. Every now and then I'll click on, on the standings just almost out of curiosity. But, you know, when I look at the standings for the NBA, they're about as meaningful to me as the standings in the Premier League soccer league i watched a short clip of a highlight from a philadelphia phillies game i'm from philly so i uh 
uh, the other night and no one in the stands was wearing masks. I'm zero. No, no one. And uh -huh. I have no idea, um, you know, what the rules are, but I'm sure that's not the rules. So, I mean, that's an excellent uh, demonstration of, of not giving a damn. That is a good thing. And I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I, you know, to me, I, you know, I, I'm just thinking that the Biden speaking is, is as meaningless to me as, as these professional sports leagues going forward. I know that they've all lost a ton of, of following. Uh, I assume that Biden is going to get a very low audience. He's going to get his MSNBC viewers and his CNN viewers, but I couldn't care less. And you know, I'll pay attention just because we'll, we may want to talk about something he says next week. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, I don't care if I watch it on, you know, on Rewind and, and you know, after he speaks. Or yeah. you know, even when Obama was president, when he had a, a speech that was lined up, I felt like I needed to watch it. I don't feel like I need to listen to what, what Biden has to say or, or what words come out of his mouth that his puppeteers ask him to say. I don't care. I think part of that is our attitude right now has changed, but I also think that he's so boring. I mean, to me, he's just like the, want to talk about the biggest loser. <laughs> I'm sorry. He, he's to me like the biggest loser president we've had. He, nobody wants, no, he brings nothing to the table to want you to pay any attention to him. But the downside of that, I would have to say is he's maybe the perfect conduit for everything that they want to do because he, he doesn't draw the attention that, they just quietly and surreptitiously do all these things that they want to do. You know, Obama, yes, Obama yes. you had to pay attention. When he was speaking before the columns, you had to pay attention. You know, maybe yes, maybe no. But I mean, I, I expect he's going to tell us what a bunch of racists we are, how, well, how the George Floyd trial was just the beginning, that we need to do more and more, you know, to, to combat racism in our culture. And, uh, you know, and we didn't talk much last week or this week on, on the Floyd uh, verdict. Um, not that I think it really merits a whole lot of talk. I don't think it was a, a racially motivated killing. And, uh, and despite the fact that I had reservations about the, the prosecution before it started, um, I, I, by the end of the trial, I, you, know, we, you know, we've talked about it privately a little bit. We talked a little last week. You know, I, I, I don't have a problem with the jury coming up with guilty verdicts on everything. Um, I think that, you know, the nine minutes that, that uh, the nine minute video that got looped over and over and over again was something that Chauvin needed to explain. You know, why did he feel threatened? Why did he feel like he needed to do that? He didn't do it. He didn't get on the stand and he was convicted. And the jury, I think, rightfully said, if you can't explain that, we're going to convict you. And it had nothing to do with race. It had nothing to do with racism. And, you know, but the Democrats are, and, and Biden are going to tell us that we're, it shows not just that this man was racist, but that the, the whole system is racist. Well, I take the complete opposite view. I think that this, this trial and this verdict are not examples of institutionalized racism or systemic racism. They're, they're proof that the system works. The guy committed a bad crime, a bad deed, and he's punished. I know we're going long, but as you're talking about this, the thought that comes to mind is, you know, the we've had the, like the Al Sharptonization of our politics completely. I mean, the whole grievance industry, the race industry was about guilt and shaking down and getting their way. And they're just applying that to everything. So I, I, don't think I, care. And I don't think a lot of people care and people aren't tuning in. I want to wrap up guys with two, two math uh, 
issues, even though Ed Powell will probably say, I don't know what I'm talking about. We didn't mention the census story, but somebody wrote a great article, pretty, uh, what's the word, snarky, that if Cuomo would have killed 89 less people in nursing homes, which is like 0.00%, he would have not lost the congressional seat. I thought that's absolutely, I'm glad we didn't say it, but I'm glad somebody else said it. And I have a, I have a um, what's the noun of positing? I wanna defend Joe Biden with the following schooling of all of you smart people. I think we need to just shut you down if you're gonna try and defend Joe Biden. No, this is a good one. It's either gonna fall flat, which it probably will, or you'll, or you'll get a kick out of it. Joe Biden said 100 days of mask wearing. What he meant to say is 25 times two plus two. We interpreted two plus two equals four, therefore it's 100 days. However, we now know that two plus two is five. Therefore, he has 125 days and we should not be knocking him for that. That's all I wanted to say. Two plus two is whatever you think it is or you're racist. There you go. So everybody agrees with me. I got to call in a night, folks. We'll be up as soon as possible as a podcast. We will be back next Wednesday at four. As always, please send your comments to ejsshow at protonmail.com. And thank you for listening. Have a wonderful evening. And come back, Jody. We'll see you next week.